It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Gators for more. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC at Gators Breakdown. And here we are. It is Florida, South Carolina week. So, like we always do every year, bring in my good buddy Will Gunter from 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina. Well, man, uh, maybe we've made this a yearly tradition. We saw each other recently at a, at a wedding over the summer as well, so it was good to see you in person once again. But here we are, Florida-South Carolina weekend. Hey, last two games haven't been all that close, but the ones before that have been. So who knows? Who knows what Saturday holds for these two teams? Yeah, let's go back to something you opened with, because at least on our radio program, uh, <clears throat> really for the last three of the last four opponents, it's been an interesting comment uh, for South Carolina. I can't speak I, off the top of my head as you opened with that, what Florida's schedule is next year. But South Carolina, the last three of the last four games have been Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, Mississippi State in there as well. Man, these are longstanding. I don't know if rivalry is the right word to use, but 32 consecutive years of these games being played, uh, South Carolina will not see Georgia, will not see Tennessee, and now will not see Florida on the schedule next year. Kind of an odd thing. I think we all thought that they could get the Gamecocks would get one of the three. I think a lot of people thought it would be Georgia. Some people thought it would be Tennessee because of the history of that series. And then, you know, Florida seemed maybe a little bit more uh, likely. But but at the end of the day, it's, it's strange. I heard you say that, you know, a yearly thing that we get here together and do and yeah, for the first time in 32 years, uh, these two teams will will not meet next year back down in Gainesville. I'm going to make sure we get together next year anyway. We will find some reason to get together anyway. Uh, Will's, Will brings up really good SEC talk as well there from from Will. But, but that's weird. I didn't even think about it for South Carolina. So that would be, if I'm thinking about it right, y'all, the three closest within driving yeah. distance maybe schools? And yeah, you don't still play, play any still play. Of all the, I mean, I you know, however you want to look at it, South Carolina plays uh, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma all next year to go along with Vanderbilt, another uh, pretty far road trip, uh, and then you've got Kentucky, I think, still on the schedule. Um, Auburn, maybe Close? Alabama. Okay, no okay. Auburn, okay. no Auburn, and I, I'm blanking on the last one because I actually have been waiting for the dates to come out. But uh, yeah. but anyway, uh, yeah, the bottom line is it's kind of a. Kind of an odd, odd situation where you don't see Florida, Tennessee, or Georgia on the Gamecock schedule, and I know we're all waiting patiently to to get whatever the new schedule format's going to be like, uh, so that we can see if this becomes a for at least a more permanent opponent, or if we're seeing everybody every each other about every two years. All right, so there we go. So yeah, so we will not talk Florida, South Carolina next year. So let's get plenty of talk right here this year for Florida and South Carolina Gators go on the road to take on Columbia. Will's going to preview. These Gamecocks for us here. And Will, so far, man, 
two and three on the season with one of, if not the toughest schedule in the country so far for South Carolina. I assume the hope now is South Carolina takes advantage of being battle tested. Yeah, I think coming off of the bye week, and uh, you know Shane Beamer is is so far pretty good coming off of bye weeks. They were two and zero. Oh, uh, they're two. They are two and zero oh under Shane Beamer. One of those wins was the the forty to seventeen. Uh, win over Florida back here in, in 2021. And it came after an ugly performance on the road at, at Texas A&M, in which at one point late in the fourth quarter, Texas A&M had more points than South Carolina had yards. Uh, and South Carolina got a bye week and got right. And so I think there's a lot of hope that that will be the case once again on Saturday. South Carolina with an ugly second half up in Knoxville and ends up losing that one 41 to 20. And, again, offensive line problems. So now you get the bye week. Has the bye week allowed South Carolina the opportunity to fix some things, to try and continue to develop a running game, to find other playmakers at wide receiver, to work on the run defense? You can see I'm, I can go off on a list of things that are not working correctly right now. Uh, and when you play the teams that South Carolina's played, Georgia, number one in the country, Florida, 14, excuse me, North Carolina, 14th in the country, and undefeated in Tennessee, a top 20 team with one loss to the Gators, obviously. Uh, it, you get exposed a little bit more when you have weaknesses. Well, take us back to the, uh, I guess, the season opener versus North Carolina. We've we've seen South Carolina play some SEC teams recently, as you mentioned. Was it a, a bit of a surprise to come out like that? Uh, I know there were questions along the offensive line, but I guess we probably didn't know at the time North Carolina's defense and what they would bring to the table. Um, how do you think you guys have grown maybe even gotten better since that game one loss versus North Carolina well we thought they were developing I, that's a, a great question we thought they were developing it seemed to play a little bit better uh, against the Furman Paladins who were a top 10 FCS team and then and then I actually played a, a really good half a good half of football in Athens and and had Georgia down 14 to three and the offensive line had kind of stood up to Georgia's pressure and then the second half whatever adjustments were made I, I'm not sure on Georgia's end but they just pressure, pressured Spencer Rattler into a very tough half of football, and that's kind of been the M.O. for the three losses uh, because Tennessee did the same thing. South Carolina's really trailing Tennessee with about two minutes left, maybe less, I forget the exact time, uh, on, on in that game two weeks ago in Neyland Stadium at 17-10. Gamecocks are in the ball game, backed up inside their own 15, and they throw a pick six on a mm -hmm. very questionable play call, and Tennessee runs it in, and it turns into 24-10, to 10, and kind of that was, that was the rest of that game. But whatever's happened right now, second half adjustments. And, and this goes back to what you were asking about the offensive line. You go back to that, that uh, game against North Carolina, South Carolina's kind of holding its own in the first half. They're right there. They're down three at halftime. And then the second half, whatever defensive adjustments Gene Chiswick made is all the difference in the world as they were able to finish that game. North Carolina was able to finish that game with nine sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, one of the early headlines coming out of the season was the, the struggle of Florida's offensive line against Utah and the struggle of South Carolina's offensive line versus North Carolina. So both teams trying to get their offensive line figured out as we get into this game this weekend in Columbia. So, of course, maybe the bye week changes some things, Will, but so far the offense so much slanted towards the passing game. And maybe rightfully so with Spencer Rattler. I mean, 18th in the country in passing yards per game, ninth in the country in completion percentage. Has he elevated his game from last year? Is it uh, about the same? I mean, uh, I guess with the limited options at wide receiver, he's had to put a lot on his shoulders. Well, I think it's twofold, and and both of them start with brand-new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins. And I think sometimes we as media, we as fans, 
don't pay enough attention to the actual coaching that has to take place, even a five star talent and the development. Um, I know sometimes it sounds kind of maybe stupid to say, but the previous offensive coordinator under Shane Beamer was not a quarterback's coach, was not a guy that was known. You look at Marcus Satterfield's resume. There was nothing there that really suggested he knew how to develop quarterbacks. So fast forward, now you have Dow Loggins come in and he is, you know, there's a lot of questions about his play calling, especially at the NFL level, was very poor. But he was widely regarded as a very good quarterback developer. Jay Cutler, Ryan Tannehill, two guys that really have vouched for him in terms of being able to improve their mechanics and just make them better quarterbacks. Again, they didn't mention his play calling. They just talked about his development of quarterbacks. And I think that's something. Spencer Rattler had some things last year mechanically and footwork that needed to be cleaned up. You have a guy who comes in with a history from the NFL, spent two seasons at Arkansas under Sam Pittman and, and learning with Kendall Bryles. And I think that that's a big part of it is that you actually have somebody who can coach a quarterback, even a guy as good as Spencer Rattler, and change some of the small maybe inconsistency inconsistencies he has or the small flaws. And I think that's been a big, big help for Spencer Rattler. And two is, look, you got to put him in a position with play calling to, to have them be successful. You just can't come out and sling it downfield 40 times a game, you know, throwing 15, 20-yard passes and expect somebody to be successful. You've got to mix in the intermediate in the short passing game. Dow Loggins has been able to do this with a very limited run game so far. So I, I think, you know, it's it's a combination of actual coaching that has taken place in developing a very good talent while also at the same time putting your guys in position on Saturday to be successful. Well, we go to Rattler's favorite target, Xavier Leggett, and certainly needed as Juice Wells has been injured. I got got what, hurt worse in the Georgia game and hasn't been back since. Um, I was talking to another South Carolina uh, friend of mine that I work with. Does it sound like Wells is any closer to being back uh, in, 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 as a starting wide receiver? Maybe you can update us on that. But Leggett's been the target to really take advantage so far, fourth in the country in yards per game. Is it somewhat of a surprise what Leggett has been able to do, especially with Wells being out? Yes and no. Um, yes, because he hadn't done it, and there was no real reason from from a consistency standpoint to think that this is what was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> no, it's not a surprise because for the last three years, it seems like every preseason, all we've heard about is Xavier Leggett <laughs> is ready to break out and, and live up to the, the talent that he does indeed have. And so, yeah, he finally does it. And you go, oh, well, OK, finally, these coaches know what they're talking about. But at the same time, there wasn't anything there. You know, we, I'm, you know, David, I'm sure you several times covering the Florida Gators have heard of players who have these great preseason camps for several years. And they just never it never translates into uh, own field production. So, yes and no. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a surprise because we've never seen it. No, it's not a surprise because Lord knows they've been talking about this young man now for three years. And finally, uh, uh, year three was the key. Well, would you would you say? I mean, uh, numbers show it. He's the only proven weapon. Is there another receiver that maybe we should keep an eye on if Florida's going to maybe double Leggett and maybe and try to take him away? Is there another beneficiary in that wide receiver core? Maybe not in the wide receiving group, but Trey Knox has started to come along, kind of as that <clears throat> excuse me that hybrid tight end slash wide receiver, and he had a better game against uh, against Tennessee. He had some. He's had some critical drops. Arkansas transfer played was recruited to Arkansas under Justin Stepp, Played for Dow Loggins. 
uh, you know, and is a bigger kid, good speed, but he'd had some critical drops through the first three games and then finally started to come on a little bit in the Mississippi State game, made some plays in the Tennessee game, didn't make enough. I think that's the guy that you you look at if Juice Wells indeed can't go, and I expect we'll get some information later today on his status. It is interesting on the depth chart that was put out on Monday. Uh, he is not on the depth chart at all. Uh, mm. They've got a two deep, and you know whether that's an updated depth chart or I, we're going to learn. I, I don't know. We actually discussed that on the radio program this morning, if that meant anything. But the, the bottom line is, uh, you're right, Juice Wells not right now, at least I don't think, is expected to play on Saturday and, and likely, in my opinion, just from what I've heard, again, for the rest of the season. But with all that being said, I think you look at Trey Knox. And then Southland's got two wide receivers that I think are really intriguing and are coming along. Number one is kind of a taller, more of a jump ball type receiver in Omega Blake, who has had some catches this year and has been very good. Uh, and then you have a guy, another transfer, Eddie Lewis, who's in his fifth year of college football. And when he's been on the field, he's he's been a solid player. From what I understand, the probably hadn't been on the field a whole lot. It's what he does off the field. You, you got to kind of be dedicated Monday through Friday and not just worried about getting on the field come Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. And so has he taken, has Eddie Lewis taken these two weeks, uh, this or last week's bye week, this week getting ready to change his work habits and to make himself more prepared for Saturday? A third wide receiver that you keep an eye on is a little speedster, Amarion Brown, but he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. And when you're a, a, a fast twitch wide receiver speed guy, Hamstring issues, hamstring issues are a real problem. So I think those are the three guys really uh, at the wide receiver position, along with Trey Knox at the tight end position. You go, okay, can one or two of those guys really step up on Saturday and take some pressure off Xavier Leggett? All right, plenty more to get in with Will in these South Carolina Gamecocks. But before we get there, hey, when your money's on the line, trusted, choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. At MyBookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use MyBookie for daily odds boost, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Plus, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Just use promo code GATERS on your first deposit and receive up to $200 in cash. That's promo code GATERS to claim your own cash bonus now. Try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds. Plus 38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. With 75 high quality vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients. AG1 is formulated to support whole body health, raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple daily drinkable habit. I start my day with drinking AG1, and after pairing it with exercise and diet, I'm ready to tackle these busy days of football season. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Gators. That's drinkag1.com slash Gators to check it out. All right, back here with Will Gunther previewing these South Carolina Gamecocks. And Will, you mentioned it a little bit before, both these issues, I guess, for the South Carolina offense, the offensive line and the run game, they probably pair together. But we've also 
in that same vein have seen Spencer Rattler hit and pressured all season long. Uh, is the run game just not a threat? Should it be written off? Uh, do you see anything uh, coming off of a bye week as well, maybe to get that going? Well, I, this is the week we find out, right? Like you've, you've had everything you've seen and you have played some good defenses in, in North Carolina, which I think is better than we realize. Georgia is always going to be a good defense and in Tennessee is not shabby. Um, against Mississippi State, South Carolina was able to run the football with a, a small level of success. Mario Anderson has kind of been the guy who's taken over. The, the simple fact is this, South Carolina outside of Mario Anderson doesn't have uh, really another legitimate SEC running back. And that's a big problem. Your offensive line might be decent, but if you don't have a guy who, who can kind of hit a hole, can has vision, has a little wiggle, uh, it makes it even more difficult on an offensive line that's trying to figure itself out. And to carry on Joyner, you know, God bless him as a Gamecock. He has done everything you would ask. He could have easily transferred multiple times. Um, he struggled. They've moved him around from quarterback to wide receiver. Now he's at running back. He really is best as kind of a, a gadget player who can kind of line up in the wildcat or you kind of shift out and catch passes. But he's simply not a true running back. And Juju McDowell is 5'7", about a buck 55, buck 60. You know, again, kind of a gadget player that maybe you can throw out in the slot. You want to get him in one-on-one -on -one situations. They do have a freshman in, in uh, DJ Braswell, who I, I personally think they ought to play more. I think he ought to be the second running back and just turn him loose like they have some other freshmen. But, you know, that's going to be the question this coming Saturday. What happened – if you can't get it going, not that Florida's run defense is bad, but if you can't get it going off of the bye week after a little self-evaluation, you know, you go to the back half of the football season – when there's really no opportunity, you know, you're game planning Monday through Thursday and getting ready on Saturday. It, it doesn't set up for a good situation to improve your running game. So to me, if we don't see major changes in them having it fixed this coming Saturday against Florida, I, I don't know how you fix it the remainder of the season. Well, let's move to the other side of the ball. Man, I mean, you look at the schedule so far. Look, we've already talked about how tough it is, but I think everybody, when you think of North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, you are going to think some good offenses at the same time. Really good offenses. So what? how do you weigh what you've seen from the defense? Because the stats won't scream out that this is a good defense. But, hey, look, a lot of defenses when they play North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee, probably <coughs> excuse me, are going to struggle at the same time. So this defense had to be ready to go from the start. How, how do you weigh who you've played and what you've seen so far? Well, I mean, look, Mississippi State ripped them up through the air pretty good. Uh, there's just been some blown coverages. It's it's in a way, it's a young defense. Um, when you look at them, I mean, right now in the secondary, you're playing two true sophomores. You played a lot last year, so you know when do you when do you label a guy a veteran? Uh, Nick Eman Worry and DQ Smith both last year basically stepped in in game one and and had to start the remaining eleven after that. Jalen Kilgore is a freshman that. Uh, enrolled early and once again basically had to step in on the second play of the first game against North Carolina and has played really well. They're, they're, they're holding up the best they can, but there's just flat been some coverage busts. You slide down to the linebacker. Stone Blanton was another four-star linebacker recruit that just wasn't ready for the SEC last year, just physically and, and uh, mentally was not ready. And He's trying to step in, but there's massive, massive depth issues at linebacker. South Carolina really is only running about three deep at linebacker. And if Florida or any team can kind of get going, there's been games where Debo Williams and, and Stone Blanton, the two linebackers, have taken 70-plus snaps. And the backup, a guy that you're familiar with, Grayson Howard, is, is coming along. 
Uh, he had an injury during preseason that kind of stunted his growth a little bit. Uh, the last game against Tennessee, I think he had 19 snaps and, and it started to get more snaps. Maybe, again, bye week, you had a little mm -hmm. more time to work with him and develop him. Maybe during the bye week, you're ready to have him be a third linebacker in there. But South Carolina suffered a significant injury uh, to a returning linebacker, Mo Caba, in the season opener, a knee injury. He's out for the season. They've had a few other bangs and bruises there at the linebacker position. They're just they're thin. Uh, I mean, they're they're thin for ACC, let alone SEC kind of competition. Um, so, and, and then the defensive line just right now, uh, you lost a five-star for, former five-star recruit in Jordan Birch, who transferred out to Oregon. You lost a four-star recruit in Gilbert Edmond, who was I think really developing nicely to Florida State. Um, they just have not replaced those guys. You know, the transfer portal will get you these days, but you have to go out and find a way to replace them. And quite frankly, South Carolina right now on the defensive ends doesn't have the playmakers. I think they've got one coming in Desmond Yumi Zulu, but again, a true freshman trying to find his way in the SEC. That's, that's difficult on guys. Um, so the ends have not really been able to generate pressure, which then that causes you to have to blitz with the linebackers. And now you're leaving your secondary exposed. You see where I'm going with this. It all goes hand in hand in hand. And right now you've got a, a, a portion of youth. You've got a portion of lack of depth. And then you've got a portion of lack of playmakers. I think the bright spot, at least going into the Tennessee game, was South Carolina was in a unique position. And my co-host on the radio program is a former defensive lineman for the Gamecocks. So he gets more of an in-depth look and knowledge of what's going on. South Carolina lost their, their interior defensive line coach, Jimmy Lindsay, to LSU in the month of May. Travian Robertson, a former Gamecock, comes in. He had been at Tulane last year. You look at his career arc so far, starting at Georgia State, going to Tulane. It's been very impressive, but he didn't get those 15, 14 spring practices mm. in a spring game to work on the things he wants to. And, and like my co-host says, man, you get defensive coaches, defensive line coaches in here, they might want you to jab differently or attack differently. And – Travion Robertson didn't have a chance to do that, but South Carolina did register back-to-back -back weeks of defensive linemen of the week with T.J. Sanders against Georgia and Boogie Huntley against Mississippi State. They took a little small step back last week or two weeks ago against Tennessee. And once again, you, you hear the, the, the key phrase here, just lack of depth, David. I mean, it's just they're not a good defense. If Florida if Florida gets it rolling and gets them on their heels, Florida can take, some, take advantage of South Carolina a big way, both with the run and the pass on Saturday afternoon. Well, I want to go there before we wrap up. You know, Florida has struggled on the road in Billy Napier's tenure. It dates back before that, almost going back to the South Carolina game two years ago. Uh, but Billy Napier hasn't been able really to reverse the trend, taking over for Dan Mullen on the road, the only win being at A&M last year. But this year, we look at Utah, we look at Kentucky, and for the South Carolina defense, Florida has struggled to run the ball. And when Florida can't run the ball, the offense gets in trouble. So have you guys looked as there's been a lot of talk about Florida's struggles on the road and you guys are sold out? I believe it's homecoming in South Carolina this week, too. If I'm not mistaken, extend that. I think the fair is up this week as yeah. well. So yeah. it seems like a big week when Florida travels on the road where they've had some struggles. Yeah, we talked a lot about that. Actually, it's funny you bring that up. We, we discussed this a lot. Uh, what is it, 15 losses in the last 17 games on the road, one and seven away from the swamp under Billy Napier, two, you know, two neutral site losses there uh, for him, I believe, is the is the thing yep. there. But I, I, it's it's interesting to see. I, and I think that's I think that's a problem. You look at South Carolina under Shane Beamer, and it's very similar. Uh, South Carolina has been very good at home under Shane Beamer. I, I do think that Florida dodged a bit of a bullet, maybe getting blown out by Kentucky and South Carolina getting blown out by Tennessee or whenever it was the game time was announced. 
from a standpoint, it was not it was not scheduled to be a 7:30 ESA SEC Network game because uh, kudos to the South Carolina administration. I don't know what it'll look like on Saturday late in the afternoon, but what they've done to get the crowd into it, the stadium enhancements, the the way they play the music, the way they keep it. The Mississippi State fans were very complimentary. Williams-Brice Stadium has become one of the best home environments in the country. They need a football program to help them live up to that. Uh, that can win games on a consistent basis. But it's tough. It's become very tough. And you look at Shane Beamer, uh, the stat, the, 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 the record at home, he got blown out by Georgia in a noon game in his, in his uh, second year. Last year they got just crushed. But they beat Texas A&M. They beat Tennessee in that crazy game. They did lose a very similar time slot game to Missouri last year. Uh, I think it was a 3.30 or 4.30 game on the SEC Network. South Carolina's offense stunk in that one. But by and large, South Carolina's been a good home team. So I, I do think that this is one of those things where I heard Billy Napier, we played audio this morning of him talking about changing up how he wants to prepare for a road game, maybe leaving earlier, heading to the stadium earlier, some of the small things. It'll be interesting to see if that works. Because you're right, it's an odd thing where Florida right now, they go on the road, they, they've really struggled. And, and both of them were kind of ugly performances against Utah and Kentucky. Yeah, well, all right, so for all my Gator fans heading into Columbia maybe early on Friday, what time's your show? Can they listen? Do you have anything going on Saturday uh, for, for the radio show for Gator fans in town uh, as well on 107.5 The Game? Uh, well, uh, yeah, if you want to get in very early, we are on from 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, each and every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. And actually, if you are in Myrtle Beach, you can hear that on 100.3 The Game. We've expanded into Myrtle Beach, and if you happen to be coming up uh, through anywhere and you're in the Florence area, it's 100.5, the game in Florence. So we've expanded out into two different markets right now, which is really cool. And uh, you can obviously hear us throughout the day on, on 107.5, the game, and catch the, the local coverage. And then Saturday, I believe they'll have the pregame. I, I have to admit, David, uh, got some disturbing news last night. I was prepared. It was going to be the first Saturday without my son. Play, he plays travel soccer. And right. I was excited. I, I had actually sent a text message to our good buddy, to Joe and CJ, and was prepared to take the grill and do all the tailgating. And last night, about 8.30, I discovered my son had been invited to play uh, in the next age group up or whatever and play soccer in Charlotte at 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Saturday. So uh, any thoughts and plans I had for pregame went out the window, and I quit worrying <laughs> about what we're doing with the station, to be dead honest. I, I, I was very excited. Now, instead of enjoying a college football Saturday, I'll be getting up at like 8 a.m. to drive to Charlotte for him to him to try 11 versus 11 soccer and and uh, maybe get a little bit better. I'm excited for him, but I've, I've wished Joe and CJ the best and hopefully they're going to have a good time. But it should be a lot of fun. As you mentioned, I, I will say, you know, if you come into town, come in early on Friday. The fair will be in town. Uh, it's expensive. I've looked at the prices. Uh, it's like $20 for a ticket to get in. Uh, if you want to ride, all you can ride is like 40. Uh, you, 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 the, Fair, it will cost you money, but you might want to come in, scout out a parking lo location, even see if you can contact that person and pay ahead of time. Uh, it's going to be a zoo on Saturday, to be honest. People that don't pay attention to football are going to be thinking they're going to the fair. People that, that want to go to the football game are going to be mad at the people going to the fair. Uh, it's going to be an incredible environment. It's going to be an exceptional environment. The lights are there as the game comes to a close and everything that's this part of the fair when it's in town. It's going to be really, really neat. But, yeah, I, I would say if you get in town, get in town early. If you want some pizza, go see our good buddy, Bill, uh, Brian Glenn. Village Idiot Pizza is always fantastic. If you want an upscale meal, uh, Saluda's down in Five Points is always a great place for a steak. Uh, there's obviously a Hall's Chop House, which is uh, really good. Several great places. And 
glad to help anybody. If they want to hit me up on Twitter at Will W I L Gunter G U N T R, make recommendations. But it, it really should be a big game, big game for both teams, obviously. And I think it'll create a a fun environment. And kind of hate that we're going to see this series at least broken up for a year, if not two, because it's, there's really the last 15, 16 years. It's been a very fun series to follow. Yeah, absolutely. The Steve Spurrier connection never goes away from the two schools as well. That one's always close to us both. And uh, you heard Will mention, you know, uh, the two names there, um, Joseph and CJ. So I got to see Will uh, a few weeks ago, right before the season started. Uh, that's my wife's stepbrother and um, his, now his wife. They got married there in August. So we got to see each other in person there. So a little connection. Funny thing is Will and I knew each other beforehand. Didn't even yeah. know there was a connection there. So that, that's funny how life works sometimes uh, here, here in this sport world but yeah well hey the the recommendations for food and where to eat that's always always welcome here i always get asked uh when opposing fan bases come into town but also get asked hey do you know where to go in columbia but everybody like you said you can follow him on twitter look up will gunter right there on twitter uh, for any more recommendations in columbia south carolina as the gators travel there to take on south carolina so will gunter hey man thank you so much always glad to talk to you buddy all right, everybody, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.